of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we're converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted, always delighted to be with you Monday through Friday. Wendy Bell Radio Network app is a free place you can bop on over to watch the live stream all three hours. If you're listening on the radio and our stations are growing, we're picking up Houston, we're picking up one in California. We're super excited about that. Welcome aboard. And for those of you who love the podcast after the fact, terrific. Love that as well. One and a half million downloads strong. Thank you for being part of it. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening materials. Good show for you today. We've got all sorts of different sandboxes, as I say, that we're going to scratch in for you. And I think the story today is overwhelmingly about messaging. And once you can understand the messaging behind someone's manipulation, I believe that you are far more uh, equipped, I think, to respond in the best way for you and your family. And that is what we're going to endeavor to do today. Give you some messages. See what you think. So you're better educated. That's how we roll. And we're delighted to have you part of the family. Welcome home. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. There is a tremendous unraveling going on. There is an awakening, an unraveling, a truth-telling, a fact-finding. More people who otherwise kind of hang in the shadows are stepping forward and doing their due diligence. How many people have been putting out on Twitter and other uh, social media feeds little snippets of the first 90 hours of the January 6th, quote unquote, insurrection video from the Capitol? You know, until you invest in some time and you sit down and you click through some of the thumbnails and you see some of the, the five minutes here and 10 minutes there, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. You begin to see the the real story of what happened on January 6th. And because of that, it can make you angry. I get it. Video I saw yesterday from Julie Kelly. She's just a rock star. Showing people peacefully trying to exit, getting pushed from behind by the police. You know, I've been interested in the suicides of the four police officers in the days and in the months after 
the quote-unquote insurrection. And you're right to be questioning many things, as I do. And I'm similarly intrigued by the four police officers who were propped out, put out, propped up, I should say, by the House Unselect Committee to quote-unquote testify before the world and push forward a narrative that we're now understanding was well in play days after January 6th. This whole thing has been a setup, and it disgusts me. And three of these four Capitol Police officers who've been elevated to testify and to be paraded before Congress, et cetera, et cetera, have gotten book deals. Interesting thing that you notice, isn't it? Interesting things. Book deals. Two of them are now New York Times bestsellers. Really? You believe that? You believe America has a a burning desire three years later to read all about what happened that day, according to one person? So much, in fact, that it's a New York Times bestseller. Do you know how hard it is to become a New York Times bestseller? This is what we pay attention to. These are the stories that we chew on. And one of the prevailing narratives that I find very intriguing is this notion that Donald Trump coming back to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue would in some capacity just launch this World War III context of of life, that it would be so chaotic, that everything would be crazy. We can't handle any more crazy, is what they say. But of course, it is the Democrat Party that needs chaos They need chaos to provoke within you an emotional response to something that gets you fired up and active and sent in a different direction than where you really need to be. How do I mean chaos? Well, let's talk about this. Democrats have overstepped with Donald Trump since the beginning of Donald Trump's political career they wiretapped the guy they lied about it remember when Donald Trump came out and said they bugged my office and the media which has given him 95% negative coverage made fun of him as though he was just a raving lunatic of course he was right and then when it came out that the Democrats had paid Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, Igor Danchenko to create all of the fake BS, Steele dossier, Russia collusion, likes to sleep in beds the Obamas did and have and be urinated on by prostitutes. It was, it was just so preposterous. Nobody's found guilty on that side. I think the Democrat Party had to pay $110,000, got a slap on the wrist. Igor Danchenko, well, he was acquitted of lying to the FBI. No harm, no foul. Don't worry about it. That was strike two on them. But they weren't done. Do you guys remember that in the House, under Adam Schiff and his lunacy, they launched 85 separate investigations into Donald Trump during his presidency? Can you fathom what that man was able to accomplish with a complete Trump derangement syndrome afflicted house. 85 different areas they wish to subpoena and investigate. What about? Well, about his taxes, about his family business, his dealings with Russia, about Stormy Daniels, about firing Comey, about anything classified he might have had at Mar-a-Lago, those 
skids were greased, about Jared Kushner and his ethic ethics law compliance, about White House security clearances, about the Muslim travel ban, about all this stuff. And then there was the first impeachment over a phone call. Then there was the second one. Abuse of power, obstruction. Ridiculous. Then the government shutdown. Remember, they shut down the government. Longest government shutdown in American history. And it didn't end until Trump folded on the whole idea of building the wall. That's what opened up the economy again. He didn't shut it down. They did. And then, of course, don't forget the four indictments. The 91 different criminal charges. The raid of Mar-a-Lago. Everything Wrapped into January 6th. Oh, yeah. And then there was that pesky thing called the election. It has been an incessant, chaotic attempt to to just drag us down, to create the idea that he's deranged, that he's a lunatic, that he's an anti-Semite, that he's a racist. He hates women. He's a misogynist. He's an Islamophobe. He hates transgender people. Because he had that tranny ban in the military? Because that's such a bad idea. Guy lowered taxes. More people worked under him than any president in decades. Right? We had prosperous times. Prices were down. Optimism was high. Despite this pervasive wet blanket backdrop of sock. Under the Democrats, they... They stewed in and brought to a boil a debate that I believe many of us had put to bed. This whole idea that we should feel guilty because of what we look like. That this country is inherently racist. That we are colonizers, occupiers. We're terrible people. We ought to apologize for who we are. That's what Barack Obama did day number one as president. This is your Democrat Party. And every step along the way, every regulation, every rule, every additional tax, every stupid expenditure, every moment there's not actual auditing, belt tightening, and true fiscal responsibility in in this party. And you've paid the price. In addition to, of course, going after you if you're faithful, if you believe in life, if you love your kids, if you care about what they're learning in school. Now we're seeing stories about teachers telling their students how to hide their gender transition from their parents. Every single thing these people touch is toxic. It is anti-American. It is anti-reason. It's absolutely not commonsensical. That is your Democratic Party. And so we're going to walk you through the many ways in which they want to beat you cajole you, threaten you, force you down a certain path that is decidedly disruptive and destructive to our way of life. Donald Trump didn't do that. He allowed you to live your life. And he put you in America first. And that is a track record that no propaganda and no messaging And no cheating is going to beat. And they know it. All right, when we come back, did you guys hear about the first hostage, that little girl who was the dual citizen, American, Israeli, the little four-year-old we spoke of yesterday? 
Well, she's making news again today, and not necessarily her. Somebody in her family. Was she released early because of their connections to the Biden family? Ew. Wait for it. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So headline townhall.com, family of the first American released by Hamas. You ready for it? Family of the first American released by Hamas bought Hunter Biden's art. Ew. I'm just going to let that percolate on you for a minute. Of course, Joe Biden and his administration taking victory laps, inserting Joe somehow into the center of this hostage deal. It's got nothing to do with it. So they've been drip, drip, dripping out these hostages. And we have a bigger, deeper dive on this later in the show. But I want to I want to say this. It's someone whose family reportedly bought Hunter Biden's art who was the first released. Here's the story about the release of four-year-old Abigail Moore Eden. This is via CBS News. Abigail Moore Eden, the youngest U.S. citizen held by Hamas, was among the group of hostages released back to Israel Sunday. Her parents killed by Hamas, turned four last week in captivity, kidnapped, taken to the Palestinian enclave, along with an estimated 240 others. President Biden spoke about the release and televised remarks Sunday. She's free. She's in Israel now. It's been a terrible trauma. The child's mother killed in front of her by Hamas militants before her father was also gunned down while using his body to shield Abigail from the attack. Do you think that all of the college students who don't know where Israel is on a map understand that that is what happened do, do you do you think that they understand because i don't i don't think they have a clue in the world what is going on abigail then ran to a neighbor's for help what she endured is unthinkable that she survived is beyond abigail's great aunt liz hirsch naftali and her cousin noah naftali Said in a statement Sunday, we hoped and prayed today would come. There are no words to express our relief and gratitude that Abigail is safe and coming home. Now, we, re- we recognize that name. We've reported on that name. Because aside from Kevin Morris, who's the lawyer in Los Angeles, who's assembled this law team around Hunter Biden and has literally floated him the $2.2 million he needed to get clean on his delinquent tax freaking bill back to 2016, was this Liz Hirsch-Neftali. And it was so interesting that Liz Hirsch-Neftali, after buying Hunter Biden's quote-unquote artwork, bounces and gets elevated to a position somewhere, which is kind of interesting. The U.S. Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad, whatever that is, whatever that is it's some appointment Joe Biden made. And so you're telling me that the great aunt of the youngest American hostage and first American to be released by Hamas is a buyer 
of Hunter Biden's artwork, who was then appointed by Joe Biden to the U.S. Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. Got it. Got it. Ew. So now, who are the others? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Joe Biden does not know. Joe Biden, who you're going to hear repeatedly from other voices in this broadcast, tried to tell you he's a rock star. He's a political icon. He's a giant among men, a a leader. Can you imagine where we would be if it was not for Joe Biden? Really? And the voices who are going to be saying this to you, you have to ask yourself, who are they trying to prove? Who are they trying to to rather sway? And what are they trying to prove? Are they clinging on to the last vestiges of hope that what they thought they were getting didn't really wasn't as dirty and dark and corrupt and deficient and depleted and mentally unstable and insufficient as Joe Biden? We've heard him talk people in the in the White House flies off the handle, uses the F word all the time. People on pins and needles. Nobody wants to be around him. That's called dementia. That's not rocket science. We see it. He walks like a robot. It's why they've got Operation Bubble Wrap going on. Do whatever you can to make sure he doesn't bend, break, trip, fall, slip, or misspeak. They're walking around him like... And you mean to tell me that the first American hostage is a dual citizen little girl, and God bless her, I'm delighted she's out, who happens to be the the great niece of one of like three people who bought Hunter Biden's lousy artwork? Why did you think they did that? Well, you know why they did that. The same way big dollar donors Drop cash on campaigns. Don't forget me. The same way people gave money to the Clinton Crime Family Foundation. They were greasing it. Hillary looks like she's going to be in a position. We got to get in good now. Remember, when you needed help, we were here for you. Because like the Godfather, there will be a day we will call for you. And we will expect you to answer that call. This whole thing is disgusting. Life equals life. No one life is more valuable than another. But the connection to a Biden donor, to me, is very, very uncomfortable. We're going to talk a little bit about this whole idea about Hamas. Where are the hostages? Because Israel said, look, we'll, we'll give you another day ceasefire for every 10 people you add on to the list right Hamas doesn't know where more than 40 of their prisoners are what is that even possible apparently it is ladies and gentlemen the dog ate their homework next on the Wendy Bell radio program so you can imagine how dumbfounded we were in the realm of of human collateral nobody wants to see more people die Period. It's the human answer. It's not negotiable. Don't want to see people hurt. Don't want to see people die. Love to see something come. Peace. Some kind of an accord. 
Makes sense. But when you hear this, Breitbart.com report, Hamas has lost track of some Israeli hostages abducted in terror attack. You lost people? What do you mean you lost people? And how many people does that mean you might have lost? And you know for a fact that this would not come out as a, as a possible story if it were not for Israel saying, hey, you release more of our people, we'll refrain from firing with almighty gunfire and pummel you into the middle of next week for another day. So Israel says, hey, ceasefire, okay, another day, 10 more human beings. And then Hamas goes, oh, boop, we don't know where they went. Here's your story. I, 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 I don't even have words for this. The Argentine news outlet Infobay reported on Sunday, citing sources familiar with the details of the hostage agreement, that the jihadist terrorist organization Hamas does not know, does not know the location of some of the estimated two, and I'm, I'm not laughing, it's preposterous, of some of the estimated 240 people abducted from Israel October 7th, complicating the group's ability to negotiate for their release. Yeah, I'm going to go with, in order for us to deal with this thing, you actually have to have your side of the bargain. The human beings. They don't care. There's no concern for life. Period. The Qatari Prime Minister, Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdulrahman Al Thani, appeared to verify the report Sunday, telling the Financial Times, why is he talking to the Financial Times? I don't know, but let's proceed. That some of the hostages were, quote, missing. And that Hamas would allegedly use the time bought in a truce that Israel agreed to in exchange for the release of hostages to find others they have allegedly lost. How do you lose people? Just lose. Yeah, we thought we had them over here, but I don't know. Qatari allows... Hamas, a genocidal terrorist, jihadist terror net network, to maintain its political operations base in Doha, has been helping Hamas communicate with the government of Israel and its allies. The whereabouts of the hostages not in direct Hamas custody remain unknown. Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a rival terrorist group, reportedly claimed to be keeping 30 of those hostages imprisoned. Well, that sounds convenient, doesn't it? Now, see, we don't have them anymore. We sold those people or we gave those people to this other group over here. You're going to have to talk to them. Say what? Some reports have suggested organized crime syndicates in Gaza, which Hamas controls, may be keeping individual hostages or families in captivity independent of direct Hamas control. Really? Really? Hamas took its hostages October 7th as part of a massive, unprecedented terror assault. On that day, jihadists invaded Israel. You understand what happened. Door-to-door -door attacks. Terrorists filmed themselves abducting and killing and torturing and desecrating 
and posted many of the videos to social media. These are not normal human beings, ladies and gentlemen. These are not people who are going to be deprogrammed. There is no factory reset with indefensible crazy. If you delight in snuffing out the life of someone you don't know, because you're a product of the indoctrination to a, a much more ridiculous degree than we're getting here in America in our public schools, which like to drop all sorts of strange ideology on unwitting children. You're not going to get these people to all of a sudden wake up and say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. In fact, I love other people. I'm sorry. <sighs> right? What are we doing? Eyewitnesses and forensic evidence indicate the terrorists engaged in gang rape, including Lola. I don't need to tell you, 1,200 dead babies, yes. Elderly, yes. The Israeli government agreed to a four-day pause in its military activities in Gaza, intended to prevent Hamas from staging a similar attack in the future in exchange for the release of several hostages. Hamas terrorists threatened to break the agreement this weekend, ultimately agreed. Yada yada, latest group of hostages released Sunday was made up of 14, including the four-year-old little girl we just spoke to you again about. The remaining hostages include people from all over the world including about 20 Argentines, according to InfoBay. The outlet noted that the youngest known hostage, 10-month-old Kafir Bibas, is an Argentine national. Bibas's four-year-old brother, Ariel, is also believed to be a hostage, as well as his parents, Shiri Silberman and Yarden Bibas. InfoBay sources claim that Hamas does not have the family. And others in its control. Where is a 10-month-old baby? Where's the, where's the older brother? Or the mom and the dad? Well, I, I don't know. Well, I, I've got nothing. Is it, according to sources familiar with the deals, the details of the, of the agreement, rather, excuse me, there are hostages who fulfill the criteria established by Hamas to be freed, but they're not in the hands of Hamas rather detained in the Gaza Strip by other terrorist organizations, such as the Popular Front for the Liberation rather of Palestine and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. This is my dog ate my homework. Except it's with human beings. It's not our... It, you know what, my terrorists? Oh, we... Uh, I don't know. They're probably with that group over there. Go talk to them. Hey, Earl! Earl, get over here. Take them over to that group. They're worse than we are. What? So you've got that story. Then you've got Elon Musk. I don't know why Elon Musk necessarily feels the need to in inject himself in this battle. But okay. Everybody and his brother decided to fly over to freaking Ukraine and have a photo op with Vladimir Zelensky. Maybe Elon Musk, who doesn't strike me as a perennial dirtbag, is going to do something that the bureaucrats, who continually find themselves in positions promoting fighting and war and money laundering and garbage, can't. So let's find out.
Here's your direct quote. Elon Musk, no choice but to kill those who insist on murdering civilians. It has to be said. Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk told Israel's ceremonial president Isaac Herzog on Monday there was no choice but to, quote, kill those who insist on murdering civilians to educate Palestinian children not to hate and to bring prosperity to Gaza. What he's saying is you have a generation that have been fed the propaganda that Jews and anybody other than their own people are bad and either need to be converted or killed. How do you how do you unravel that? How do you peel that onion? I don't know. Musk spoke at the end of a trip in which he visited the devastated community of Kafar Azah, in which 100 Israeli civilians were murdered by Hamas. 18 were kidnapped. Notably, a mother with an infant and four-year-old who remain hostages, but are now missing. I have no idea where they are. The Twitter owner also met with the families of hostages who spoke to him about the need to pressure the U.S. and other governments to ensure their safe release. But wait a minute, I thought Joe Biden's doing a great job. He took a victory lap for the little four-year-old girl. Of course, not connecting the dots that are great and bought his son's stupid artwork because that would be relevant you think so elon musk says this about gaza you've got to kill all those who murder civilians since you can't change their mind number two you've got to change their education so the next generation won't become murderers number three you have to bring prosperity to them elon musk watched the video We had Daniel Cohen on. He's the Newsmax Jerusalem correspondent. A guy I met when I was in New York filling in on the Grant Stinchfield show. Lovely and charming. And we talked to him while he was in Israel. While all this was going on. And he said, I saw the 45-minute video, which is a melt reel of horror, of savage barbarianism, that I hope you never, ever, ever get to see. Elon Musk saw that video yesterday. And his takeaway is, you have to kill those who would be willing to murder civilians. Now, this is kind of interesting, though. Because Bernie Sanders has a different view of what is going on in the Middle East. You would think maybe Bernie Sanders, as a, a sitting member of the Senate, would have pretty good information. What you are going to hear, in a matter of moments, is the regurgitation of propaganda. The messaging put out specifically by Hamas under the title of the Palestine Palestine health ministry or whatever BS thing it's called today. Bernie Sanders parrots back on live television, on CBS News, the very talking points that Moss is pushing out in its propaganda effort to win the mental war of insanity.
They occupied us. They colonized our land. Wait. Wait, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to hear this. And it's coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so let's talk about Bernie Sanders. And Say what you will about Bernie Sanders. I, I just, this to me shows a remarkable degree of no critical thinking. This is why propaganda works. Because people fall for it. Because we are sponges. We long ago stopped doing any of our own critical thinking. We rely on people in positions of power. People to be mouthpieces of organizations. They're going to tell us things. And, and we normally believe them. Because when you don't normally lie and cheat and steal and defraud and, and, and all of that, you're not expecting people to be like that with you, right? So listen to this. Bernie Sanders, Israel doesn't have a right to kill 12,000 people in six or seven weeks. What, what does Hamas do that we know? Hamas has absolutely no concern for life. They don't care if they use a human being from their side, a Palestinian individual, a woman, a child. It doesn't matter if they need to use that individual as a human shield and they are the collateral. So be it. They celebrated the, the horrendous, hideous things they did when they invaded Israel. They called their parents and jubilantly celebrated. And they obviously are getting through to Bernie Sanders. Senator Bernie Sanders said Monday on CBS News that Israel did not have a right to kill 12,000 people in six or seven weeks in response to the October 7th, <clears throat> excuse me, terror attack. Says who? So it says who? Bernie Sanders. And who says that Israel has killed even a remote fraction of that number of people? Last time I checked, Israel was the one dropping leaflets in Gaza saying, get out. We're going to come down. We're going to rain almighty hellfire rocket parade now. Get out. This is what they said. Who does that in times of war? We're going to tip our hand. Because that's how we roll. That's what Israel did. Israel isn't shooting people indiscriminately. Hamas is, Bernie. Wow. I want you to hear, because then he continues. He says, well, this was how I respond. Look, Israel was attacked in an absolutely horrific way. 1,300 people, innocent people were slaughtered. Israel has a right to defend itself. But they do not have a right to do is to kill 12,000 people in six, seven weeks. Two-thirds of whom are women and children. You know where he's getting that? Hamas! Do they have him on speed dial? Hey, Bernie, help us out. Do us a solid. That they didn't have a right to. That is a violation of international law. Don't take my word for it. I think I do a better Bernie than Bernie does, but I want you to hear what he said. CBS News yesterday, listen to him parrot out the very same talking points that Hamas has pushed through its Palestinian health ministry of garbage. Go. Israel was attacked in an absolutely horrific way by Hamas. 1,300 innocent people 
was slaughtered. Israel has a right to defend itself. But what Israel does not have a right to do, in my view, is to kill 12,000 people in six, seven weeks, two-thirds of whom are women and children. That they don't have a right to do. That's a violation of international law. You have absolutely no idea where, by the way, where's all the video? Where are all the bodies? Because they sure trotted that out for us during uh, Ukraine. Do you remember that that shot? All of the bodies, it looked like they were in an airport hangar. And all of these bodies covered by all these tarps. And you watch for a minute. And there's a reporter with a mask on who's getting ready to give give you all the details. That's right, Wolf. Let me tell you what's going on behind me. Look. Look at the carnage. Look at what they've done, those Russian animals. And then the bodies under the tarps begin to move. And somebody rushes in from stage left. And they're like, shh. And they try to tuck the person underneath the tarp again. Shh, you're supposed to be dead. Lie still. Okay, go ahead. What again was that? What else do we know that happened in Ukraine? Did you see the movie crews using burning something or other as the backdrop and some woman with a, with a red soaked handkerchief on her face as people are, they say, action. And they all run across. Ah, oh my goodness. Look at the madness. How about that, that fighter guy, the, the ghost of Kiev? All of these, all of the video. Oh, wait a minute. That was from 2012. Oh, how about that picture? Oh, yeah, that was a mass exodus from something else in a different country. We just repurposed it. Do you not see everything the people who suck want you to believe? is unbelievable. And Bernie Sanders is a United States senator. And he's regurgitating to you exactly what Hamas is saying. That's scary. And you wonder why so many people out there say, Donald Trump is a criminal. Lock him up. He needs to be put away for what he did. And then you say, um... What did he do? He, you know, that thing. Or was that Joe Biden saying the Pledge of Allegiance? I forget. What was that? I thought that was the Constitution. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) You know, the thing where we're all unaliens. What is it? (laughs) This is the scary thing that we're talking about today. Pay attention to the messages. Pay attention to the storylines. Because there are many themes here, and one of them coming up in hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program. All about the insurrection. If I told you that they had their talking points all buttoned up well before a single protester showed up at the Capitol on January 6th, would you be surprised? Well, you're not going to be, because I got some details to drop on you coming up next. 